That song you're listening to is called The Cliffs of Dover, and it won our next guest the Grammy Award for Best Rock Instrumental back in 1992. Eric Johnson is a legendary guitar slinger from Austin, Texas, who covers everything from blues to jazz, fusion, new age, and beyond. And he's back on the road with Joe Satriani and Steve Vai for the 2024 G3 reunion tour that kicks off on January 23rd in Tucson, Arizona, and wraps in Los Angeles on February 10th. Eric Johnson, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Can you take us back to what it must have been like or what it was like as a kid growing up in Austin, Texas? You know, it was great because there was so much different styles of music that I just had a lot to draw from and learn from. And there were some great players, um, Johnny Richardson, Jim Mings, John Stahaley, just great players that, that taught me how to play. And uh, there was all sorts of styles of music, and you kind of learned to appreciate all different styles because there was people so good at all the styles. You were in a musical kind of based family, right? Playing piano with your sisters, if I recall correctly. Uh, what yeah, was most, most of my siblings took piano lessons. Uh-huh. When did your love affair with the guitar specifically start? Can you take us back to that moment and when you kind of discovered that this was, this was it? Well, my brother had a, a friend that played in a band, and one day they came over and sat up, set their gear up, and practiced at my parents' house. And I was, you know, it was drums and guitars and the whole bit. And I was like, "Oh, this is great," because <laughs> it's like a new thing that I'd never heard before. And it was about the same time that that I heard the Beatles, and um, and you know, around the same time, I. I it heard uh, actually a little bit before that. Before I even started playing guitar, I heard Nokia Edwards of the Ventures, and I was just really digging that. And that was like the early '60s. Do you remember your first guitar? Yeah, I had a, um, a Fender, a white Fender Music Master. Whatever happened to it? Did you keep it? Did it? Oh, you know what? I didn't. I kept trading. Uh, I traded it in for a Fender Mustang. Nice. And then I traded the Fender Mustang in for a Gibson 335. But it would have been cool to keep keep those original guitars. <laughs> be kind of neat. How soon did you know, you know, you're a young guy, when did you did you have any moment of realization when you kind of knew that this was going to be it, like this was going to be your career path? And how did you start taking that seriously down, you know, that that road? 14 maybe is when I started getting more serious about practicing. By the time I was 15, I was playing with a drummer named Vince Mariani, and he really helped kind of open me up to like original music and working on your own technique and, you know, the emotional arc of playing, you know, a song and stuff. And so that's when I started getting a little bit more serious about applying it to you know, songs and music and original compositions. And I, and I, I just got so into just practicing and, and loving playing the guitar that I kind of never, never thought about it very much. I just kind of did it all the time. And, but when I was about 17 or 18, I started being able to make a, a little, a living doing it. Um, so I was, I thought, wow, this is cool. I'll just keep doing this. Did you know that you were maybe a little bit uh, cut above the rest in your you know community or anything like that did you have some sort of inkling that it was going to take you a little farther than it might everybody else who tries well, to do it <laughs> no not necessarily i mean there was a lot of players that were uh really good players i was just one of many players you know that, that had, had learned a bit about guitar so it, it wasn't really but i think i just loved it so much that i kept working at it until i was uh proficient at it 
I'm always trying to figure out, like, it seems like every town there's there's tons of good guitar players, and then there's a few great guitar players, mm-hmm. and then there's, you know, people that approach, like, the, the God-level status when your songs are being covered in Guitar Hero and things like that, like you. You know, how, how does somebody, how does somebody these days, because I know it, it, the landscape has changed so dramatically. Absolutely. How, yeah. how does somebody make that leap today and stand out like you were able to? Well, I think that's interesting. You say stand out. I think it's about having a unique voice and a unique flavor. You're bringing something, contributing something that has a little bit of a different slant to it, but in a, in a constructive way, you know, not just to be different, but uh, to have some kind of uh, refreshing uh, interpretation of those same 12 notes that people have been playing for 12, hundreds of years, you know. Um, and, and it's your intention, your inflection, and the way you address the, the instrument. Um, so it comes from, your, you know, your, just your heart space and your intention, and then um, you, you infuse that energy into what you do. And I think nowadays people just have to be dramatically um, – Kind of uh, just, you know, kind of a, a, a awesome arresting type of attention, you know, to where, oh, check that out, you know, because there is so much now and it's not like it's a new thing. I mean, when I was a kid, that electric rock guitar thing was pretty new, you know, and somebody would plug in a, a fuzz tone and be like, wow, I've never heard that before. Let's <laughs> listen to that. You know, and now it's just like, you know, you go to the music store and they'll they'll bring out 50 fuzz tones and just say, take your pick, you know, it's kind of like overwhelming, you know, so the social media thing is overwhelming too. There's so much. I mean, like where you like, it'd be like going to a grocery store that was, you know, the size of Rhode Island or something. (laughs) So I think it's, it's cultivating your unique voice. And that I think can come from you zeroing in on the real epicenter of where your passion is, where, what really turns you on, what really lifts you up, you know, and kind of concentrate and center your, intention on that that unique passion and joy that you have that individually have yeah speaking of standing out i mean your tone if, if anybody's out there i think is probably one of the most immediately recognizable you have like this rolled back a little bit and i, and I know you've talked to guys like rick beato about this but you you've almost rolled back your 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 treble quite a bit on your guitar uh, is that kind of your your signature your tone? Because I even find myself like, when I roll back the the, the trouble a little bit, it's almost like pulling an Eric Johnson. Like, oh, okay, I'm going in Eric Johnson mode now because you've you've kind of isolated that that tone for yourself. Where does that tone come from? Because I know that's a, a term people throw around a lot lately. But you you have that unique tone that people recognize immediately. Where does that come from? Is it in the is it in the hands? Is it in this technique? Is it in the equipment? Well, I think it's in everything, but it's mostly in your 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 will and your 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 hands and your technique. You know, it, it, it's a little bit the equipment, but more more importantly, and in a larger scale than the equipment, because you can get players that um, you can have them play on any kind of equipment, and they're going to sound like them. You're going to be able to hear that they have a certain nuance about the way they sound, and that's just kind of the way you pick the string or fret fret the fret and and your intention behind it. Um, but, you know, I, I think it was a process. I mean, the tonality thing, as far as, uh, you know, a lead sound kind of came from the, the, you know, I mean, a lot of the early B.B. King records, and then if you turn up, turn the volume up, you know, like like Clapton did on Bluesbreaker record, you know. And then you take it out a little farther, you know, he got into that real creamy tone, like on Wheels of Fire, 
And that's where I heard like treble rolled off and just that kind of thick kind of violin-y wood tone. You know, it's it's not really something that I've invented. You know, it's just uh, I've kind of taken, I've cherry-picked from several different players, you know, like Bill Connors on the first Chick Corea, him of the Seventh Galaxy record, or um, John McLaughlin on Birds of Fire, and, and obviously Eric Clapton. Um, uh, that's kind of where the, the lead thing kind of came came from and then r- rhythm you know is really really rhythm is is it runs the gamut from steel guitar players to um keith richards to to Jimi hendrix as far as the rhythm sound you know but then you could trace them back to like you know curtis mayfield and um and and the, the you know the, that's where those guys learned you know from that kind of plan seeing players like you in person or even just listening to the albums can be extremely demoralizing but also you know equally as inspiring at the same time which is kind of a strange dichotomy to play with a little bit but do you do you recognize that that you can you can almost shatter someone's ego just by you know shredding a little bit well, I, I think um that's just part of the big alphabet I, um you know some of the so there's a lot of great players that maybe their alphabet is 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 more um you know they don't like reach for you know crazy shredding but they still they're still great players you know it's really kind of it's what you do with what you have you know and um that's so much more important than than you know having you know like walking in a room and talking for 45 minutes you know instead of some people can walk in and say one sentence like wow you know it's so zen you know so really i don't know if it, it's just a part of the whole and i don't know if it's the most important thing but there's always people i mean i hear people all the time on on uh you know youtube they'll say wow i wish i could do that i mean it's just like <laughs> like joe and steve i mean they do a lot of stuff that i can't do you know it's it's just everybody's a little different and they look at you the same way. There's um, stuff so, that you can do that they can't do. Well, you know, and I think that's that's true with everybody. I mean, you know, and you you listen to uh, a lot of players that just they they do. You know, I wish I could you know do those things. You know, I mean, you get like some of the the country guys that can play. Uh, I wish I could play some of that bluegrass stuff. It's just so beautiful, you know, and and or even the the, the uh, folk guitarists that, that are so wonderful at strumming the guitar that's an art it's hard to strum with a perfect pocket you know a lot of those guys can do that and it's just it's all these different um play you know uh areas of musicality i think it's just i think you have to make peace with the fact that you're never gonna be all things to everybody you know you're gonna have your forte and hopefully it aligns up with what um inspires you so that you can inspire others that's what's so fascinating when I get to talk to guitar players of your caliber is that is just to know that there are people out there that <laughs> that, that demoralize you because you think they're so amazing to watch. And it, it's almost hard to comprehend that because the, the contrast from my position doesn't seem to be there exactly. But it's, it's fun to know that it, you know, there's really no competition at the top. You know, we, we hear these reports from Rolling Stone magazine about the 250 greatest guitar players that ever lived. And we like to compare, we like to contrast, and we like to rank things. But it's, it doesn't seem like that's really the game <laughs> that you guys are playing, thankfully. No, and and I and how do you do that? You know, like that that uh, that list you're speaking of. You know, it didn't have Wes Montgomery in it. I mean, it's like what? 
He's like the greatest in the world. You know what I mean? And, and I'm only saying it was somebody's opinion, and and they got a lot of it that you know a lot of people would agree. But there'll be a whole bunch of people that that other people might say, "No, you forgot this person." I mean, to me, Wes is up there. He's he's one of the most important uh, inspirational guitarists in my life that I've ever heard, and and so he would make the top three list with me let alone the top 100 you know yeah but i i guess the point is it's just subjective you know and then there's all the people that that uh you've never heard of you know and and they're like amazing and and they might not ever get the attention because they decided it's it's not in their uh design to chase chase the carrot for a career you know they just love playing at home and there's a lot of great players that, that go under the radar that like Scotty Anderson, he's, you know, he, he's like this amazing guitar player. How do you stay relevant over the years? I mean, how are you constantly reinventing yourself? I know it's a process, but what is your approach challenging yourself to come out with new music? Because I know it's, it's probably one of the more daunting tasks that somebody at your level can, can, can try to approach is, is it's almost not competing with yourself, but how do you, how do you break that mold and move on and grow as a musician when you've already in many ways reached the mountaintop? I, I guess the mountaintop never ends. And sometimes you can just get back to your true nature, you know, from square one and then take other offshoots. If you know, you get way out on a limb and then you try to keep uh, breathing new life into that. As long as you're inspired, I think you can keep going and going and going. But if you reach a place where you're not, you're not really, getting the same uh breath of inspiration on it sometimes it's good to go back to the center and just try another dimension what's changed in the last 28 years for you since the last time you went out on the road with vi and satriani first of all like what, what was that first tour like i know that must have been a lot of fun back then but i know a lot of a lot's probably changed since then what do you see looking back at your career uh as you revisit this uh, tour with these guys well, you know, it's nice to come together and play with people of that caliber. It's it's pretty amazing, those guys. Um, I think everybody just takes their own path and walks in life and they go on and do all their, their thing. And I just, I don't know, I've just kind of uh, pursued music in my own uh, uh, place. Um, but yeah, it was great to, to go out and do that. We did that in, a, in the 90s. Yeah, we did, did several tours, actually. That's about it for right now. Just uh, looking forward to making more music and want to just thank everybody for taking the time to listen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, sir. I can't wait to see you again out on the road with Satriani and Vi on the G3 tour. Best of luck out there. I hope you have a lot of fun. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. And you can catch Eric Johnson performing live with Joe Satriani and Steve Vi in the upcoming 2024 G3 reunion tour. Go to g3tour.com for your VIP tickets and further information. In the next episode of Newsweek Radio, we're actually speaking with Steve Vai, my personal all-time favorite guitar player, and we're going to be speaking with him in person. An incredible privilege and honor that I cannot wait to share with all of you soon. What could be better than that? I'll tell you what's better than that. Go in to see these guys play live and do their thing on the stage together at G3. I will see you there. Go to g3tour.com. 